I'm here with David Soman today. David Soman is a best-selling children's book illustrator. He works with his wife on the Ladybug Girl series. David, tell us a little bit about your background and sort of what you've been working on today. Thanks for having me, Matt. At the moment, I am at the beginning of a new book, which I don't even know how much I can talk about because as I'm discovering in the world of social media, you can say so much about certain things and not too much. <laughs> According to my editor, I'm working with Susan Richard Little Brown on a new book. And I just finished doing two books at HarperCollins that I did with Jackie Davis, my wife, about a character called Agent Lion. The first one came out this past spring. The second one will probably be next spring. And it was a nice departure from some of the other things that we've done and that it's about a ridiculous lion detective who is more obsessed with jelly donuts than with anything else. And it was a lot of fun to just do a lot of slapstick and ridiculousness. For the last few years, I've been, I I mean, I do exclusively children's books. And so I've been doing some solo books. And a couple of years ago, I guess it would be for me finishing it, but only last year, publishing-wise, we finished Ladybug Girl. And that's finally a, a sort of done chapter for us. Ladybug Girl was such a monumental project. I remember, now in like full disclosure, I know David because David is a teacher at SVA. And while I was getting my graduate degree there, I was taking watercolor classes with David. And I believe at that point, that was around 2007. And I believe at that point, you had just started working on that book series. That's right. I think I might have been doing... I think I was either getting close to doing the actual book or we were still working on the proposal. I'd have to check myself. It was an odyssey. You know, I had been a children's book illustrator solely for many years going back to 1987. And after about 10 years, 12 years, I burned out a bit. What I had realized, I I realize this now looking back as an older guy, looking at himself, I didn't really fully appreciate what I was doing enough. I loved doing the art, but I, I didn't have kids. And I wasn't as fully attached to the work as I could have been. I was still being in my 20s and into my 30s and being more interested in my own life. And I had to take a break because I just didn't feel like I was going to be giving the work my all. And that was a problem because even though I may not have understood children as well as I would have liked, I never didn't do the job as best I could. And so I stopped for a bit. And during that time of stopping, I continued teaching and I started doing more of my own work. I left the city and Jackie and I moved upstate. We ended up buying a home and lo and behold, we had kids. And once our children were born, and first our daughter Lucy and then our son Sam, but while Lucy was little, we began to read books again, obviously. Like in reading children's books, I just began to discover or rediscover how much I loved them. And I was brought back to my own childhood and I saw the way she would devour them. And we could read the same books over and over. Like we used to read Go Dog Go, like, three times every night and you know i'd have to start adding things to the pictures like you know just to make it last longer because you just wanted that book for so much then that was what sort of kindled in me the desire to go back into doing picture books again as part of that jackie who had worked with sesame street uh, had done graphics for uh, a lot of television Uh, she'd worked on the the dr seuss sesame street puppet crossover and she'd also even worked in, in children's publishing when she was very young she also wanted to do something with picture books and it just sort of happened all we were talking about it a little bit you know between whatever changing diapers feeding kids cleaning the house working and i would do these little cartoony 
crayon sketches of Lucy, and, and Lucy was a you know to us very beautiful, but obviously she had enormous cheeks and a very round head, and she was really funny. And so the cartoons were really funny. One day she came down the steps with these ladybug wings and skirts and necklaces and hat, like so dressed up. And Jackie looked at her and said, "Oh, hi, ladybug girl." And we looked at each other and we're like, "Wait a minute, that might be what we want to do." We just sort of that was it. And after that, it, it took us years, three or four years, <laughs> to finally get Ladybug Girl into a book, you know, to make it like, yeah, it took a long time to do a proposal. And then the proposal was roundly rejected. And then when it was finally accepted, it was so different in form that we had to redo everything anyway. <laughs> so, you know, Lucy, by the time the book came out, she was eight. And when we started it, she was probably two. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so that's long. She really grew up being that character. Yeah, she did and she didn't. I mean, one of the things that um, was important to both Jackie and I, as much as we based it on everything we were learning from being parents, like it was us looking at her and her friends and just being aware of what it's really like to be a child again. You know, the kind of things you tend right. to get as you go on with your adult life, but how monumental certain small acts are. And we were experiencing it again as parents. Uh, but I never wanted Lucy to have to be that closely identified with the character. It is based on her. Um, we did let one newspaper article happen that had a photo of all of us together. I see. But other than that, we never let her be photographed. Mm. We never brought that into... We didn't let that be a big part of her reality because yeah. I was afraid that it would be something she would later be resentful or embarrassed about. And it was also just unnecessary because, you know, it is, she is a... She grows. And Ladybug Girl, like, Peanuts or Calvin and Hobbes or whatever, you know, Ellen Louise, like, you know, they don't actually grow up ever. And so she was past Ladybug Girl pretty quickly. I mean, she was actually older than Ladybug Girl when the first book came up already. Yeah. Did she get bored with it after a while? Was she ready to move on? With, uh, um, that? When, are you, when are you going to move on to another character? Yeah, you know, it's funny. The kid, she just, she did get sort of, I don't know about bored with it, but it's just like they just, oh, he's doing that. He's up in the studio doing that again. Yeah. You know, like they were much more excited when I'd come down to the house and read Harry Potter to them. <laughs> like that was the stuff. Like, you know, looking at me doing pictures, like, yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. the only time she ever really had fun was our very first book party. She was only, you know, she was like six years old and she sort of was realizing that this was somehow about her. And so she started going around and signing autographs on people's paper and it was really oh, funny that she was doing that that's the only time she's ever at all invested in it <laughs> that is so cute what was the progress like on this you make the pitch for the first book and then you know you go through the process of that and then it comes out and it's, it's a it's a success how does that look what what happens uh, well it, you know it's something that you just you have no control over. It's one of the things that I preach to myself, teach to myself, teach to my students. I, taught, I think it applies to all walks of life, but you can't focus on how people will take your work. You can't really think about that too much because you set yourself up for constant disappointment. And also, you're just ceding so much of your self-belief to others. And Ladybug Girl, for whatever reason, you know, and I, I have no idea why, really. I mean, we could, you can talk about it, but it could have just as easily not been successful because it seems to me there's fantastic books that I, I see all the time that are not popular. And then there's books that are popular that you wonder why. But the way, I mean, in terms of just pure publishingness, 
when we were, it was before the book, I think, actually hit stores. This is how things used to work. <laughs> there yeah. were bookstores. But there was Barnes & Noble and Borders. And the buyer from Borders, gosh, I wish I could remember her name better. It was like Rutu Modan. Or, no, that's a cartoonist. It was something like that. Yeah. It was Rutu something. <laughs> okay, yeah. She, for whatever reason, the book appealed to her and she placed a large order. And once she did that, Barnes & Noble was like, who had passed on it? It was like, oh, wait a minute. And they placed a lot. Oh. And so suddenly there was momentum there just from that. And it was enough momentum. And we were working cheap. We didn't even realize how low bald we had been. <laughs> but we were working cheap. So when they immediately asked us to do a second book. And so we started working on the second book pretty soon after the first one came out. Okay. Wow. And then after that, we wised up when the second book was also on the bestsellers list. We, I think we made sure to get like a three book contract. And then it became more of a, an established thing. And then it had time. It did 10 books. Like, there were 10 Ladybug Girl books, not even including the board books and stuff. Wow. Our original editor had retired. It was a fun run. <laughs> yeah. Is that what marked sort of the end of the series was the original editor retiring? Oh, she actually, curiously, she left in the, she left sort of in the middle. The end was multiple things. I mean, on a blunt end of it for the publishers, I don't think the books were selling as well at the end as they were at the beginning. And they cost more because they were paying us higher. So I think that was part of the calculus. Yeah, and I was, I mean, me and my, my wife were working together, which was fine, but I was the one as the illustrator, as you know, you spend, you know, 10 times, 20 times more time doing it than when you're writing because a picture book, even though like, the writing is hard. If you don't have the writing, you don't have anything. But in terms of actual time spent, it's nowhere near as long as doing the illustrations. And so by the very end, I was sort of happy to say goodbye to As much as I really did love the character and I loved the books, I had begun to feel like I was going to get stale or maybe it was getting stale. But just it's hard to come up with compositions you haven't done before within the genre that those books are because they were very much based on this is the world that she lives in and it's a real world. And I was beginning to feel like it was time to move on too. Do you think you'll end up doing another series again or is that just at the whim of the industry? And, it's at the uh, whim of sales. We, we, uh, with Agent Lion, it was not supposed to have a second book as far as we knew. And then all of a sudden they asked us to do a second book. But then the same editor who asked us to do a second book moved to a different publishing house. So I really have no idea if that means that's the end of it or if they're going to ask for more. You know, you just don't have that much. At least I don't. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's artists and writers who are much more savvy and aware than I am, uh, more successful, who have more more of a say of how this works you know i concentrate on doing the work and then let the chips fall where they may because i have no idea i will say though i you know i've looked back at your other work going back to um some of your early children's book illustrations and knowing your work too from being in class with you and the first work i saw about you really was your, your figure paintings right. um, which are very realistic when i was sitting in the class with you you were beyond just strong in painting like you had a really very technical knowledge of the, the material itself and there's something very something rooted very much in an academic tradition and how you oh, yeah. did figure painting and how you taught it and talked about it from a technical point of view go back to your early books in each one you know some of the earlier ones i remember the author that you were your, the first author you worked with what was, what was her name angela johnson yeah she's angela johnson talk about that in a, in a little bit but you had it looked like almost every book was like a, a different approach different style and so i was really fascinated when i saw what you did with the ladybug girl because it is so in a lot of ways it's very spare compared to 
the work that I was familiar with before that. It's almost like a, like when you start drawing the characters, particularly, it becomes almost like a comic book simplicity. These like heavy dark lines with very flat watercolors underneath, and then this these very beautiful you know realistic settings behind these very cartoon characters. It all seems so um, compared to what I was used to from you. I, I hesitate to say, but maybe like a little minimal. And I've seen some of the sketches that you were doing just kind of preparing the style, but I'm really interested in what your thought on style is, but how it is that you kind of look at the material and play around with the writing through drawing and come to the point where you're like, this is the style this book is going to be in. And it's not necessarily like your style as an artist. You see what I'm... You yeah, I do, I do. I think that... Language for the book. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm just curious what your thought process is when um, you were really getting down to it. And I, I will say, I thought, I think I loved style of Ladybug Girls so bold and so colorful I, I think it's just some of the nicest work you've ever done but I'd love to hear your thoughts and just well it's interesting that, um, that you bring that up because for me I've always been I feel that the project that I'm working on has a voice and my job as an illustrator even if I've written the work is to figure out what the voice of this particular project is in my early career I didn't quite understand that fully and most of my books are pretty realistic and I did a lot of photo shoots with models and based everything off of that and I loved doing it and it was fun because I was also very close to the kind of painting I did just for myself and in my painting classes but at a certain point I began to feel that that was a limitation for picture books because when you go that realistic you do do something special you really ground the events of the story in a way that cartoony work or very stylized work can't do it also takes away your ability to do other things at a certain point i began to be offered books that what i thought somewhat different in nature they wouldn't they didn't want me to be figurative and there was a point where even with one of the angela johnson books i started playing with collage i did a book for her and then another book with phyllis grishader that was based on african an african folktale only one cowrie and i did those in collage and some library posters that way and that was a lot of fun very labor intensive because i couldn't quite solve the collage it ended up becoming like a jigsaw puzzle because i wanted to draw over the pieces without being bumped around by all the layers of paper so it was it was labor intensive but a lot of fun you know i did some other stuff too when it came time to do ladybug girl the journey to find what looks like such a simple style for me was really hard and i have you know hundreds if not more, sketches of just struggling to figure out how to do this thing. And I knew that I wanted it to be more simple because, as I said earlier, the original Impetuous was just these little crayon cartoony drawings that I was doing of my daughter. And it had a right. certain kind of verb, a certain energy that I wanted to keep. And then it became, what do I do with this? And, you know, we were watching, you know, Miyazaki movies. And I was like, oh my God, this is genius. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, how does he do that? Like, how how does he make it so poetic and so accessible right. at the same yeah. time? And obviously, he was a, a huge inspiration for Ladybug Girl. And then it just became like, I knew, I began to discover I wanted to do the pen and ink. And even that took a little while because at first I was using brushes. It looked too slick. Something about it looked wrong to me. And I started yeah. using these bamboo pencils, so those bamboo ink pens right they have this crazy unpredictability i don't know if you've ever used them do you know how like you're drawing oh, yeah. the ink just blobs everywhere <laughs> yeah it's like the the final drawing is somewhere between what the ink wanted to do and what you were capable yeah, of and to do and it's a compromise that always is interesting it's and that's that i like the excitement 
I mean, there's times where I hated the excitement, <laughs> like times where you'd be drawing, you're like, no. <laughs> and watercolors is that too. It's the yeah. tension of every painting has got a level of performance. You know, like every ink drawing has a level of performance because you can you can screw up a little, but you yeah. keep screwing up before you have to just toss it. You know, you get booed off the stage, so to speak. But I found that that weird, random, uncontrollableness was part of exactly what I wanted. And then the next step began to be trying to figure out how do I make it not just look like she's an inked character on a background, like it's an animation still. So then I began to play with how do I ink the backgrounds? What do I ink in the backgrounds? How do I integrate these two things? I started looking at Van Gogh's drawings, his ink drawings. Um, Yeah. You know, it just slowly evolved. I mean, the truth is the books changed. The style of the books changes a bit over the course of 10 books. I began to play a lot more with colored ink uh, and other things. I began to use more brushes and stuff. So it's like people don't, unless they're artists, they don't notice. But if you look at the first book and, you know, a book towards the end, there's some big differences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it, it still feels like a consistent series and something sort of little I didn't get the Miyazaki reference when I saw it. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Do you have a project like that behind you and you're moving on to other things? Does that afford you a new level of freedom? Do you <sighs> all of a sudden publishers have more faith in you I, as an artist? I, I think they've always had faith in my art. I think that's true. I don't know that other than just that it gets me in a door. It may get you a meeting, but not a deal. Exactly. It's, you know, publishing like a lot of things, I mean, it's changing. The world is changing. When they hire you and an editor agrees to do a book with you, they're also putting themselves on the line to some extent they have a balance sheet that they have to show maybe if you're someone along the lines of oliver jeffers you can walk in and say this idea and it's going to involve a pig is that good and they're going to be like yes i'm far from that level of success i've heard john classen speak and talk about how his editors reject his ideas still if it can happen to him who can't it happen to the reality is I can get someone to look at what I'm showing, but I still have to convince them that what I want to do is worth doing. And I'm, I'm able to do that so far. That's been good. Do you think if Marty Sendak was still alive today that he could get whatever he wanted published or if he'd still get his I wonder. I would want to say yes. I don't even know if Oliver can. You know, when you get to the people who are some of the very best top editors and such, they have very strong, very good opinions and feedback. I'm working with a woman, Susan Rich Little Brown. The process of making the book that we're doing together has ups and downs and backs and forths and finding all these things that we didn't see at the beginning and having to redo this and redo that. It's true, still true to my initial proposal of what I wanted to do that she agreed to. There's no sense of that I came in and said, this is what we're doing, this is what's happening. Yeah. This is very much something that she's a part of. And my understanding is like some of the other people like Neil Porter are also the same way. And I think that's true of any editorial process, too. So once you actually get the book and it gets approved, and now it's on you to go create a book dummy and start bringing that to life, that book dummy is the first full version of the book, in a way. You get your sketches and you lay them out in a dummy book, and then that goes to the editor. And there's a lot of back and forth that goes into the layout and the writing and the artwork. What is the time frame? One whole book plays out. And what is the editorial oversight process? Like, how much time does it take to go back and forth? And how many times does and it all back and forth before you guys arrive at what's going to be the final project. I can give big generalities, but each book is its own journey. For me, I have to get them to agree to the story, and the story has to have a plot that they like, and the editorial part starts 
at the very beginning with that, where you have to show what the book is going to be in terms of what the themes are and the characters and the movement of the plot and the arc of the story are all on the written page first. And that can take a while. I mean, it takes from the writing of a book to the book being finished with the art easily be over a year. You usually have to be working on one thing while you're actually working on something else, too. Because the writing, it's a really different animal. Like, if I sit down to do my art, I know I can solve an art problem. It doesn't mean write great, but I know how to work it. And writing and generating the plot is a little bit more difficult. And I end up just sitting there waiting for the muse to come down and touch my forehead. I don't even know what's going to be a good plot for a kid. I don't know that you do know offhand. I think what happens sometimes, and it's, you know, I've had really different experiences writing stuff. For the Ladybug Girl books, once we realized that was the name of a character that we liked, what we really decided we wanted was to honor the actual life of a kid and to show what they actually experience is heroic. They are heroes in a way to challenge themselves, to deal with intense new emotions, to do things that are a little scary or questionable, to learn all the things that they need to learn. That also helped us shape it that we weren't going to have fantasy elements and other stuff. We wanted it, like when she's playing pretend, it looks like a girl playing pretend. And that's also something we wanted to do so that it has that feeling of it's really about them and kids seem to really respond to that. And when we wrote our first draft of it that we submitted, the notes we mostly got back from everyone were, this is not a story. This is a slice of life. Because it was just like a little girl gets up and goes about her day. But that's the point. One editor out of all of them, Liz Wineski, who was at Dial, began to say that's maybe your point, but that's life, not a story. And so we began to see how we had to shape life to fit a story. And I think that's a way of going back to answering the question as a general thing, where you come up with an idea, and it can be a silly idea, like a a detective who's a lion, he's really bad at his job, but somehow bumbles his way through. And it's how you tell it, just like comedians and jokes. It's how you find either the humor or the pathos. You look for building up to a certain moment. You want that moment to be rewarding. In Ladybug Girl, the first one, the point was for her to learn how to be by herself and to recognize that the ability for her to just be alone, for her to achieve a moment where she realizes she's happy with that and she's proud of herself. And so the arc of the story was that. And so trying to make that dramatically pleasing is part of the writing too. And because children's books are so brief, you really don't have a lot of room for anything extra. So you also have to make sure anything that's there sort of has a reason. And so there's a a lot of tightening and reconfiguring and, and restructuring. Some books that I've done wrote themselves very quickly and other books like the one I'm working on now just seem to be a (laughs) never-ending rewrite. So I would say from the time the story's done, to do the art can be between like six to eight months for me. And the process usually works in terms of editorial oversight. Once the story is set, I usually do like a sort of a storyboard for myself. I, I look at this manuscript, even if I've written it, I still have to do the same thing, break it down into what I think the scenes are and And then I have to think about how they fit on the pages. And the structure of a picture book is also something that's very definite, where all double-page spreads start with the even page. And you really have to think about how you're going to make the story work with the physical structure of the book. And you start that from the very beginning, ideally. 
as you work through all this, you do do all your sketches and your composition sketches, and you figure out where the type's going to go. Most of the people I've ever worked with, they don't see anything until I give them that dummy. Then there's back and forth about the dummy. I've had a few times in my life where nothing was changed, and I've had a few times in my life where we've changed quite a lot. Well, thank you, and I hope I was coherent. <laughs> you were fantastic. That was such a nice window into the whole process of making a children's book. Really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Sure, thank you for having me. I look forward to hearing it.